Okay. Um, welcome. My name is uh, Christian. I'm one of the pastors here at New Philadelphia Church. Today we have to um, end the service by 5:40, and uh, quickly have you guys move over to the Hillside Campus so that we can watch the screening of Nefarious, which is a documentary about human trafficking uh, and a kingdom perspective toward human trafficking. Benjamin Nolo. Nolo. Uh, the producer, director, and writer of the film. He's going to be uh, speaking to us before we show the film. That's going to start at 7 p.m. So, uh, for our visitors, we apologize if things feel a little bit rushed. Let's just calm down right now. Everybody calm down. (laughs) I'm going to work a little miracle right now because the the sermon I just preached went one hour at Hillside, hour and ten minutes at Hillside. But hallelujah, the Lord will... Condense it to 30 minutes right now. And you guys will uh, get everything that I preached over there in 30 minutes. Uh, I'm kidding. You have to listen to the podcast if you want everything that I preached there, okay? I want to preach some of the things that I preached. All right. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 19 and 20. Our church is in a justice weekend. We're calling it justice weekend because we have two praise nights with... Build Hope International, which is a nonprofit that's building orphanages to help children who are exploited in China and all over Asia come out of those situations and be rescued and freed. So we had two praise nights with them the last two nights, and tonight we're showing the nefarious documentary, which is going to highlight the human trafficking issue, the modern-day slavery issue all over the world. Uh, it's a film that kind of highlights that from a holy perspective. All right, and so we're calling this Justice Weekend. And I'm going to preach today a sermon called Confronting Injustice. Because how many of you guys know that it says in Psalm 37, 28, the Lord loves justice. Amen? Amen. The Lord loves justice, then we ought to love justice. And because God loves justice, when he sees injustice, there's a, there's a wrath that burns inside of his heart toward the injustices that are in the world. And we need to get stirred up. For those same causes, so those same sense of justice that the Lord has, He wants that to be deposited in us today. All right, so I'm gonna preach this message called "Confronting Injustice." Just stay with me, all right? Because I'm gonna just throw stuff at you, and if it bounces off your head, I'm gonna keep going because we don't have time today to unpack everything. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 19 to 20. The word of the Lord says, "You shall not pervert justice." You shall not show partiality. Partiality means an unfair bias. You shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow. That you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Just very quickly, for people who are in the business sector or any kind of high place high position of leadership and influence, mark my words, never accept a bribe. No matter how small or how big, you are to never accept a bribe. If you're a son or daughter of the house, I expect you, when we get to heaven, I'm going to check your bribe balance. And I expect it to be zero. No one in here accept a bribe. The reason why there's so much systematic injustice in the world today is because of bribery. The word of the Lord will continually, if you look up the word bribe, it will continually indicate that bribery perverts justice. 
people in high positions of influence are the only ones that get a bribe, by the way. And bribery perverts justice. Bribery introduces partiality. Bribery, it says here, blinds the eyes of the wise. Leaders that otherwise will act in wisdom begin to act in corruption when bribery is introduced. You cannot serve both God and money. When it comes to bribery, we need to have an active commitment in our hearts. I know that most of us have not made an active commitment to never accept a bribe. But for every son and daughter of the house today, I want you to make that covenant with God. Lord, I will never accept a bribe. My wisdom will never be blinded. And my justice will never be perverted. My sense of justice is always going to be clear. All right, because bribery is going to be out. All right, so that's just a little word for everybody, just to take that into your heart. Whether you're in ministry or in business, never accept a bribe. Bri- uh, bribery blindfolds objectivity, and that is injustice. You know, if you ever see the symbol for Lady Justice, what does she look like? You guys know? Go to a courtroom. All right, she's holding what on one hand? She's holding scales, all right? So that's like a balance. She balances the cases to judge fairly. And on the other hand, a lot of times she has a sword. So you don't mess around. Because they will minister the rule of law, all right? They will put you in prison. They will, in some countries, they will, they will behead you. Or, or I don't know if they behead anyone today. But, uh, you know, uh, you will lose your life if you pervert justice in some countries, including America. Uh, do they have the death penalty in Korea, by the way? 한국 사람들 저 아세요? 한국 분들 저 여기 death sentence. I don't know how to say that. Is, is it? There is a death sentence, death penalty in, in Korea. There should be. You don't know. You didn't study law yet. No, there should be. Okay, all right. I'll take that. Um, and then uh, a lot of times, the Lady Justice also has a blindfold over her eyes. Why is that? All right, because the, uh, the blindfold represents objectivity and fairness. The lady justice is not going to look upon uh, one person because they have wealth or money or power more and show favorably toward them rather than another. Rather, that, that person, lady justice is about uh, justice, fairness, making right judgments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Justice. The word justice means the quality of being fair or reasonable. The quality of being fair and reasonable. And the administration of the law. Or the authority that maintains the law. You know, there's a lot of countries that have laws of justice, but they do not administer the laws of justice. If you read the North Korean Constitution, you will be surprised with what is written there. Because none of that stuff ever gets ministered. You go to Arab countries, Muslim countries, Islam countries, you ever do missions work in some of these countries, their law guarantees freedom of religion. But they, the, the, the law enforcement does not actually enforce that. They oppress other religions. They burn down churches. When churches get burned down, the police do nothing about it. Nobody's on the investigation for the arsonists who burn down the, the church. Hallelujah. All right. Hey, let me get that AC off. It's blowing, blowing over my Bible. 
justice, the quality of being fair and reasonable, the administration of the law or authority in maintaining this. Uh, Psalm 68 verse 5 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. One thing you will notice about the Bible is whenever the Bible talks about defending the helpless, there are three kinds of people that are always mentioned. Orphans, widows, and aliens. Orphans, widows, and aliens. Like, why doesn't it say um, other kinds of people, you know? Why orphans, widows, and aliens? Because if you really think about it, the most vulnerable people in the world are always orphans, widows, and aliens. And throughout all of history, the most vulnerable people have always been orphans, widows, and aliens. Think about that. If you are an orphan, God never designed a child a child is very vulnerable when they're born. And throughout their childhood and adolescence, they're very vulnerable. God has designed it for children to be born into the world, into a family. A family that will provide love, safety, protection. But when you don't have a family, that child is very vulnerable. Without love, safety, protection, that child uh, will not develop the way that the child should develop. And what Satan does is Satan attacks families through adultery and divorce. That's why the Bible says God hates adultery. God had people who committed adultery in the Old Testament be stoned to death. That is how much God despises and it's an abomination to him. Why? Because adultery breaks up families. Adultery results in divorce. And when you break up the family... You break up the institution in which children are supposed to grow up in love, safety, and protection. So when you have an orphan without a mother or father, that child is very vulnerable. That child is very vulnerable. Uh, When you have widows, widows in many patriarchal societies where it's male-dominated, you're married to this wonderful wealthy man, but when that wonderful wealthy man dies... And didn't, he didn't leave you a, a very good will or something, or, or there's legal trouble and all this stuff. When the man dies in most patriarchal societies, the woman, the widow, is in a lot of trouble. They have no way to make income. Uh, depending on when the husband dies, they may not be able to get remarried. They may be able, not be able to get a job. If they have children, they're even more trouble. You know, widows are very vulnerable. And a lot of countries, Criminals take advantage of orphans and widows. When you watch Nefarious later tonight, what you will find is the vast majority of the women and the little boys and girls that are forced into sexual prostitution, the vast majority are orphans or widows. Why? Because criminals know that they are the most vulnerable people on the earth. They could go after... Uh, somebody with a strong family. Who's got a strong family? They can go after... Okay, Melody. They can go after Melody. But they know if they go after Melody, there are like 20 siblings that will come after them. <laughs> they will know that her parents will get on the phone and call the president and stuff, you know? But criminals know that if they kidnap an orphan, there's, no, there's not going to be a search rate looking for that child. 
if they trick a widow into taking a job, I mean, there's a lot of women looking for jobs, but they can probably trick a widow that's desperate to feed her children and trap them into t- taking a job at a bar, but it's really prostitution. They drug them up, they rape them, and the next thing you know, they're trapped in prostitution. And God says himself, I am the defender of widows. I am a father to the fatherless. Meaning God looks upon the most vulnerable people on the earth and he takes up their cause. And when they are oppressed, when there's injustice laid upon them, God takes up their cause. Which tells you something. Because the Bible says Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That means... That every cause that is upon God's heart needs to be on the people's hearts. It needs to be upon the hearts of God's people. You know, the word of God says in Psalm 89 verse 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Isn't it very interesting that the Bible talks about righteousness and justice being the foundation of God's throne? Can I ask you a question? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Because if Jesus is the Lord of your life, that means that you don't have to go to a physical location to pledge allegiance and honor to the King of Kings. Like, you know, when we say Jesus is the King of our lives, the Lord of our lives, we don't go to some place in Seoul and, and try to pledge allegiance. Why? Because the throne is not physical. The throne is in your hearts. The kingdom of God is within you. It is not a kingdom that knows geographical boundaries or ethnic boundaries. The kingdom of God, it just transcends all of that. Right? And so if the kingdom of God is established inside, that means the throne of God is in your heart. And here's something that maybe many of you have not got a revelation of. The throne where Jesus is seated in your heart, that throne's foundation is justice and righteousness. So what I want to do today is I want to awaken you to what's already there in your heart. I want to, awa- I want to highlight the foundation of God's throne that you may have not really glanced at. Because the Bible says it's justice and righteousness. So if Jesus is the Lord of your life, justice causes is not a democratic agenda. It's not for the liberal Christians to take on. It is for every son and daughter of God. It is for every person in the church of Jesus Christ. Justice needs to be the foundation in our lives. Justice and righteousness. Um, oh, wait, 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 I was saying three people. Right? Orphans, widows, aliens. Uh, aliens are also quite vulnerable if you've ever studied. If you ever, have, how many of you have been an immigrant in another nation? You've been an immigrant in another nation. How many of you were, you, you were actually illegal immigrants in another nation? All right. I know a couple more, but they didn't raise their hands. Uh, <clears throat> Here's the thing. I know the U.S., the, the customs officials, they're not very nice to you. But God sees your heart. God sees the situation of your family. And although technically it might be illegal, God knows that you should get a college education. You should be able to get college funding. You don't have to live in hiding and get rejected from job to job. Because God is a defender of those 
who are the most vulnerable. And aliens are mentioned again and again throughout Scripture as those who are vulnerable. Deuteronomy 27.19 says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner. Or another translation, due to the alien, due to the illegal immigrant. But a lot of times, some of these illegal immigrants are illegal immigrants not because, you know, they ran away from their country, but because their country, there's like war in their country. Or there's poverty in their country. And so they move to find a better life. To find a better hope. Some of them are actually, they should be granted refugee status. For example, North Koreans that are in China should not be, should not be criminalized. I mean, the Chinese government should be criminalized. For forcefully repatriating North Koreans that they know when they send them across the border, half of them are going to be executed. And for those who became Christians, they're guaranteed execution. I mean, let's put it all into perspective. You know what I'm saying? Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. And all God's people shall say, Amen. God is serious when it comes to justice. And today I'm going to preach on confronting injustice. Confronting injustice. There's a TV show that's popular right now. And it's called WWYD. What would you do? They kind of played off the WWJD and stuff, but... Whatever. It's a popular reality show in America right now with host John Quinones. And the show uses hidden cameras to capture how ordinary people react when they're thrust into ethical or moral dilemmas that we call out for action. Okay, so for example, and all the situations are fiction, by the way. These are actors and actresses acting it out. Uh, one of the episodes where I got infuriated with how people responded was a, was a scenario in which a young lady was on, on supposedly a first date with another man. And so they're at the bar and they're talking and uh, they make it known to everybody around that they're on the first date. And, you know, they're just kind of talking out loud. And then the girl goes to the bathroom and the actor pretends to put a drug into her drink. And the people that are at the bar watching this at the corner of their eye, they clearly see it because the cameras capture their eyes seeing it. They do nothing about it. The girl comes back. She takes a sip. Starts getting, starts saying, oh, I'm getting a headache. And people are just still watching. Doing nothing about it. And what you will find is, in this TV show, most people know the difference between right and wrong. But very few people will actually act upon an injustice that they see happening. You know, sometimes when we are, when we see an injustice, for us to get involved, it's inconvenient. It, it, it requires you to overcome your fear of confrontation. Uh, in the show, uh, in some of these scenarios, the hardest ones in which people never respond, like one out of ten people respond, 
very low percentage, are the ones in where it requires you to confront somebody. And then you always find like one crazy lady that will actually confront. But like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? I saw that. I saw what you put in that drink. You know? And then John Quinones would be like, yeah, I commend you, you know. So, so many people didn't do anything about it, but you did. She'd be like, well, I had to. I had to. I saw what went in there. You know, there's like that one. But most people, man, when it comes, when it requires you to confront someone, man, most people don't want to get involved. Their sense of justice is paralyzed by their fear of man. And you know what? That in itself is an injustice. Let's say, let's say Kiana is at the bar and she just saw, (laughs) Janine is loving this, Uh, she just saw a young lady on a first date and the, the gentleman slips the drug into her drink while the lady's at the bathroom. Kiana sees this. All right? And let's say for whatever reason, Kiana's tired that day. She's had a bad day. She's there getting a drink herself. <laughs> she's like, man, I don't want to get involved in this. You know, I got to yell and get up in the guy's face. I don't want to do any of that. Right? And then you might, you might forgive her. You might be like, all right, well, she's had a bad day. I understand. But what if I told you that Kiana's actually a police officer? Doesn't that change things a little bit? That she has the authority and the ability to do something about it, to stop this injustice. In fact, she has a responsibility by the very nature of her call. She has a responsibility to get involved, and she doesn't. Wouldn't that infuriate you even more? You know, in America, there's something called the Good Samaritan Law. And if you've ever done, I, I used to be a lifeguard in high school. And uh, the Good Samaritan Law says that if you get involved in some kind of situation and you have the training to help out, like CPR or, you know, a paralysis situation, any kind of situation, you have, your, you have the training to get involved and you get involved and, and the person actually dies, right, because you got involved. But you can't really tell it's because you got involved. person may have died anyway, even if you got involved. But the Good Samaritan Law actually protects people and tells them that if they get involved and it doesn't work out, that the, the family of the person who's, who died or whatever, they can't sue that person for malpractice or for missing it. You know, when I was a, a student at NYU, man, I should not share this story. But real quick, if I was, when I was a student at NYU, I was working at the speech pathology department at NYU. And one of the days, uh, an older gentleman with a heart pacer, maker, whatever, uh, he had a heart attack. And so he died. He, he, he's on the ground dying, gasping for air. And so I come out and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, snap, this guy's having a heart attack. Something's happening and he's not breathing. And so all the women in the, in the department, they're mostly women. They're all freaking out. And they're all crying. Will somebody do something? So I'm like, all right, all right, hold on, hold on. I know CPR. And I got down there, and I started administering CPR. Now, the, uh, here's a little tip for all those who, who are rusty on your CPR skills. When you do CPR, you breathe in slowly. Because if you breathe in too quickly, the air goes into the stomach, and it actually causes the person to vomit. Okay? So I kind of breathed twice. All right? I didn't even have a mask, man. It was, it was, it was, you know, but you don't think about that stuff, you know? <laughs> you think about it later. But I, like, gave him mouth-to-mouth. And when I did, he started, he woke up and he started breathing like, <gasps> but then he knocked out again. And I, I gave him uh, rescue breathing again, and then he vomited. And all this green stuff came out of his mouth, and it blocked his air passageway. And so I had to, I had to 
tilt him over and then start mouth to mouth again. All right. And so don't ever, if I was ever on that show, what would you do? Man, I will get involved. All right. And so I'm doing all this. And one of the security officers from NYU, poorly trained security officers from NYU says, oh, I know CPR. Let me help you. So I'm like, all right, you check his pulse. And the guy's like checking his pulse. He says, he's got a pulse. He's got a pulse. I'm like, all right. So I, I just got to keep rescue breathing. Because if he's got a pulse, then you don't, you don't do the pump. Right? What I didn't know is he had an erratic pulse. If anyone has an erratic pulse, that's the same thing as them not having a pulse. You start the whole CPR and you start pumping their chest as soon as possible. Okay? I didn't do that. Paramedics show up. They start zapping him. Take him away in the stretcher. Everyone's crying. Everyone's like, Christian, you saved his life. You saved his life. And I'm like, well, we got to see if he makes it. Right? Well, next day we find out he dies. You know? And so I, I knew that the Good Samaritan Law would protect me, even though I kind of missed it with my CPR. But that guilt, man, I couldn't wash out that smell of the vomit or the guilt for like several months, man. That joint messed me up. And it almost made me react like never get involved. But you know what? God said, no, Christian. You did exactly what you needed to do. And I want you to keep doing what you've been doing. Because there is a justice that I put in your heart. You know, and, and man, I don't even know why I went into that story. But um, come back to the TV show, right? One of the most refreshing uh, episodes was when they went down to Texas. And they started taping uh, in Texas. And, uh, you know, Texas has a lot of churches. It's considered the Bible Belt. And the results that they saw in Texas were dramatically different than New York City. Same scenarios, totally different results. And so there's a teenage couple in one of the scenarios, they, and they pretend they got pregnant. And so the girl's like, I'm pregnant. And the guy's like, all right, well, you know what to do. We need to get rid of this baby. And they're like, well, I want to keep the baby. No, no. It's not your decision. This is our decision, and I don't want no baby running around. All right, we're going to get rid of the baby. And they, were, they did the scenario almost 15 times, and they said 100% of the time, the Texans got involved <laughs> and prayed with the two teens. And so the actress is like crying because she's so touched by the, by the love and, and, the, and the intervention of these people. And, and they said 100% of the time, they all advised her to keep the baby. All right? And so, man, man, God bless Texas, right? <laughs> Texas. And here's the thing <clears throat> about those spirit-filled Texans, right? Royal people, here's what Chris Valentin said. He said, royal people have a powerful sense of justice in the depths of their souls that drives them to act when they see something wrong. I want to speak that out over you today. That is who you are in Christ. Maybe in the past, you never got involved. Maybe in the past, it was too much trouble. But I'm here to tell you today, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, the foundation of the throne of Jesus Christ, the foundation of God's kingdom is justice and righteousness. And the things that burn in God's heart ought to burn in your heart. And I'm here to tell you that just like if you got upset that Kiana's a police officer, but she did nothing about it, what I'm here to tell you today that when you see injustice and do nothing about it, it's the same thing. Because you are a royal priest, the Bible says. You are a prince and princess of the kingdom of God. Meaning that you have 
the ability and the authority to do something about the injustices that you see in today's world. And because you have that authority and ability, that means when you don't act, you actually are being irresponsible because you also have a responsibility to act. The hope of the world is inside each and every one of you. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, the reason why the Son of God was made manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. So when Jesus showed up on earth, he destroyed the works of the devil. And here's how most of Christianity, evangelical Christianity, has approached um, justice causes. Here's the way they approach justice causes. There's human trafficking. There's slavery. There's corruption. Uh, Let's evangelize more. Because, you know, when you evangelize to them, you know, that'll change the nation. That'll change the ways. Missions and evangelism is the answer. Discipleship evangelism is the answer. And so they start pouring in all their resources to evangelism and missions. And they abandon positions of influence that can actually be the very venues by which they can change laws, change and reform education in certain countries, change business practices in China. They, they abandon those things because they start channeling all their resources toward evangelism and missions. Can I tell you something right now? Missions and evangelism are pretty important. Pretty important, right? It's the eternal, eternal things that are on the line. That's very important. Don't get me wrong here. Very important. But if the only emphasis, if that's the only response that we have toward injustice, we're completely missing it. Here's the thing what Jesus did when he came on the earth. He destroyed the works of Satan wherever it was found. Meaning that when people who were demonized under the works of Satan came up and said, Jesus, I'm in suffering, I'm tortured, set me free. Jesus didn't say, well, repeat this prayer after me and receive me into your heart first. That's that's a religious approach. For a lot of evangelical Christianity, that's our approach toward injustice in the world. Hey, we got to turn on some of them ACs, man. We can get hot in here. That's some of the approaches of evangelical Christianity. But Jesus didn't necessarily approach it that way. He just destroyed the works of the devil wherever it was found. The Bible says, Acts 10.38, He went around doing good and healing all those who oppressed the devil. He went around doing good. Whether you are Asian, or whether you look Jew, or whether you are Samaritan, or whether you were, you were uh, uh, just a Greek. He would heal you. He would set you free. You know, the very people that Jesus performed miracles on in Jerusalem were the very people that said, crucify, crucify, a few days later. Which goes to tell you that Jesus confronted and destroyed the works of the devil wherever it was found. Which brings back to the church's response to injustice. The church's response cannot be just limited to evangelism and missions. Here's, Here's a little revelation for you. Systematic problems require systematic solutions. Can somebody say amen to that? These gangsters, these criminals, when you see nefarious later tonight, what you will find out is this is a well-organized criminal activity going on. And actually, drug dealers right now are shifting to prostitution because it's a more lucrative business. The Just Say No campaign has done its work. So, you know, all these young people saying no to drugs, although drugs are still a problem in America. Um... 
the gang- gangsters are finding out that what requires sweat, blood, and tears to get all these drugs and smuggle them over the borders, they can easily do by pimping a girl. And, and they, they can have about a good five to ten years of making good money off of a girl that they pimp. It's a systematic problem. You go, to, you go to Thailand, you go to Cambodia, it's a systematic problem. And God's people need to re- approach and confront these injustices in a systematic manner. Meaning that we need to approach it from the government mountain. For people in places of government, rise to places of influence and then begin to influence others in the government of those nations to legislate laws that protect those vulnerable people. We need to systematically approach it from the education mountain. Don't develop curriculum just so that you can turn a profit, but develop curriculums that you can import into some of these other nations that have poor educational systems. Because in Thailand, what my wife found when she ministered in Signs and Wonders at Pattaya, which is a city known for sex tourism, and we actually had a missions team go through that city, and a lot of images that you're seeing in the ferries are actually from Pattaya and Bangkok. It is just open bar brothels all over Pattaya. You go on the beach, left and right, there are open bar brothels. And if you look closely, there are little 12-year-old girls pole dancing. And there are Europeans, Americans, Australians, whatever. Tourists there, and they're just buying up these girls. But what she found surprising is a lot of the majority of the girls were actually sold into it by their own parents. Either sold into it by their own parents... Or they willingly decided to go into it because they have no educational opportunity in their country. Because there are no jobs in their country. So in Thailand, families actually send their, uh, send their daughters off into Pattaya in the hopes of a better future for their family. Knowing that prostitution is the main industry there. So we got to systematically provide solutions that are going to, in 10 and 15 years, are going to abolish this, these forms of injustice that are going on. As you heard from Pastor uh, James chair at the Build Hope Praise Nights, when he was in China, children are begging on the street. And I've been in Beijing and Xinjiang, right? Two cities there where children are begging on the street. They grab hold of your legs. They grab hold of your book bag. And you think they're trying to rob you, but it's just they're just begging really Really violently, because you know why? If they don't meet their quota, they go home and the, and the gangsters beat them. All right? And so, you heard Pastor James share about how some of these children, like in Slumdog Millionaire, they, are, they poke out their eyes so they can be more effective beggars. They break their legs and wrap it around their necks, as you saw in the picture, so that they'll be better beggars. They maim their arm, cut their arms off, so they can be better beggars. This is injustice. And a lot of these children, they're orphans. So they don't have a family to provide that protection or, or, or go after these guys. There is no one else on earth that can take up the cause of these vulnerable people than the people of God. Do you understand this? Do you understand this, brothers and sisters? Because when God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He gave them a mandate to take dominion over the whole earth. 
Meaning when we advance the kingdom of God, it just does not look in it like in evangelism and missions or getting more converts, getting more converts. That's not advancing the kingdom. Just getting more converts is not advancing the kingdom. Because as Lance Wallnow teaches, all right, you can have masses of converts that never change the uh, history of a nation. You go to Africa, there are millions of people coming to Christ in some of these huge crusades. But a year later, they're killing each other in a civil war. Lance now teaches that actually evangelism never changed the nation. All right. It is the, it is the values. It is the word of God being brought into the systems of government, education, business that changes the nation. And who does that? It's the people of God need to do that. We need to stop abandoning places of influence and we need to start infiltrating. We need to start running away from Hollywood and start sending some good men and women who are spirit-filled into Hollywood. Because some of those Hollywood actors, actresses, directors, they go to psychics, they go to uh, divination, uh, get, get all kinds of divination and fortune-telling, and they get all this, this edge through witchcraft and occultism. But I'll tell you, we have a bigger edge through the Holy Spirit's anointing. And we should be sending people to infiltrate these systems and come up with a systematic approach to end injustice. You know, brothers and sisters, I want us here at New Philly, I want all the sons and daughters of this house, and whoever wants to hear this and receive this message, I want all of you to live your life as if every day you are on that show, what would you do? I bet you more than half those people, if they knew they were on the show, they would have behaved differently. I want you to live your life as if you're on that show every single day and live in a way that you will never be ashamed of your responses to injustice. Can I get amen? Amen. You know, because that's exactly what's happening right now in heaven. I'm telling you right now, heaven is watching all of us like we watch what would you do. And for them, it's like a TV show. Heaven is watching to see what are God's people going to do about injustice. Are they going to ignore it? Are they going to turn a blind eye? Are they going to give a voice to it? Are they going to come to the the justice causes of these all these injustices, all these oppressed and vulnerable people? Or are they going to just keep on doing evangelism and missions? And just stay in the little church walls? Where it's safe. What will Marcus do now that he has the gospel? Now that he has the baptism of the spirit? Now that he has the anointing power of God? Now that he's moving with a prophetic gift? What is Pastor Marcus, what is Marcus going to do? Heaven is looking and saying, what is Marcus going to do with all of these things that he's received from heaven? Now what are you going to do when you see injustice? And I'm telling you, in heaven right now, they're looking at this. We're, we're only, this is one year old. Hillside, only about three years old since I took over. We're a young church. Get that in your heads. We are a young church. But here's the thing. We're moving and growing quickly, dramatically, powerfully. Here's the thing. As you grow, great, great power comes great responsibility, right? Just as uh, Spider-Man's uncle said. Great power comes great responsibility. Here's the thing. 
Just like if Kiana was a police officer, you have a responsibility as a royal priest. As a, as a son and daughter of the king, you have a responsibility to act to it when you see injustice. And here's what I want to see in heaven. Here's what I want to see in heaven, right? The angels of God, they're watching. There's Zach. All right, well, uh, here comes injustice number one for the month of July 2011. Let's see what Zach's going to do. Oh, it looks like Zach's just going to ignore it. All right. Oh, Zach, what are you going to do with all that anointing? Oh, wait, he's coming back. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, he's confronting that dude that just slipped a drug into the drink of the, of the, of the first date girl. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. And they just start getting up and clapping and angels are like, yeah, that's Zach. That's Zach. Zach, you're the man, Zach. You're the man. That's what I want to see heaven do when they watch the lives of the sons and daughters of this house. You know, here's the thing. You want to tackle human trafficking. Tonight you're going to see the nefarious film. You're going to, you're going to want to like get in there. And here's the thing. Most of you should not get involved right now. 99% of y'all should not get involved. When, when David Bastone came and did the not for sale conference, he, he did a human trafficking like, awareness conference. Uh, one of the things I talked to Cassandra about was we were surprised that, you know, there was no practical application. There was no practical way to get involved other than like prayer. Or, or raising more awareness. You know why? Well, we figured it out. It's because we don't... David Mastone and that ministry, they don't want just knuckleheaded people going out to, you know, the red light district and, and saying, hey, hey, y'all need to close everything down, you know. And then next thing you know, they start doing all kinds of stupid things and getting locked up or getting beat down and getting kidnapped and missing, you know. Emily Wardrip, you know, young American girl... Living in Korea as a school teacher, missing in Yongdungpo. Last time she was seen, she was stretching out her hand toward a red light district. I don't know, like, you know, um, you shouldn't be involved. You know, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to respond to the smaller situations of injustices you see every day. For example, right? The other night I was driving home from Friday, uh, Friday night praise, praise night. And as I'm passing by um, the major intersection where I live, I see a girl. She faints. She just faints. Like, and I could tell, man, she bumped her head hard on the ground. So I pulled out my car, and I went over to her to see what's going on. And when I got over to her, she was standing on her feet, and there was another gentleman trying to force her into a cab. All right? And then she just kind of resisted. And so the guy kind of gave up, and he got in the cab, and he said, Opa, kanda, And he closed the door, and he left. Um... And then when she was by herself, she faints again. And so me and this other dude, we go over to her and try to help her. I pick her up. I put her on the sidewalk, you know, and she stinks like alcohol. I mean, it's nasty. She stinks like alcohol. But the thing was, she kept passing out. And I thought maybe it was because she's drunk, but she was just passing out, right? And so finally they call the police. The police guy comes. And I'm like, man, let me just go now. But, you know, my sense of justice said no. You know, I... I don't mind getting a little dirty. I don't mind getting involved. If I can help her, I have a responsibility to help here. 
So I went to the police station with her, carried her in there, put her down on a chair, gave her some water. She's drinking the water. All of a sudden, she passes out again. And then, aha, I realized it was a demonic manifestation. Right? I've seen this times and time again where people are like alert, awake, and all of a sudden, they pass out. Right? It wasn't the alcohol. Right, when a person is drunk, they don't do that. They, they, they just slowly pass out. All right. She was like drinking the water and then she spilled it on herself. She kept knocking out, right? And so police officers trying to like find a way to get her home and all this stuff. And so I just start praying over her. I start praying over her. And then she starts whispering in Korean, I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. And it was the demonic spirits that were manifesting through her voice. And so I just started speaking life and said, no, I cancel that. You, and I, I'm trying to mix Korean and English, you know, you know, and I'm just trying to speak life over her and speak hope over her. And, I, and I'm trying to whisper the gospel to her in English and in Korean. And she's and the demonic spirits start manifesting. And she's there. She's just like, <laughs> no English. And so, like, you know, they're saying all kinds of strange things, strange things. And I'm trying to talk to her. And... Um, Man, I gotta wrap this up right now. Um, regardless, what happened was, uh, Aaron called and I said, Hun, can you pray for, have everybody in the car, uh, pray for this woman because she is demonized and, uh, they need to get her home. And, and, uh, I'm just praying for her. I'm trying to share the gospel with her, but she's not listening. She actually said, uh, church, I went to church. I went to church when I needed God the most and I didn't find him. And so she was like saying, you know, in Korean, like, you know, I've given up on church. The church is nothing to me. God is not real. And I'm just trying to say, no, no, God is real. God is real. And so I asked the, everybody in the car. And she start, she's still doing this passing out thing. And she's bumping her head on the floor. We're having to pick her up back on the chair over and over again. And we pray for her in the car. And the moment they pray for her in the car, within 30 seconds, she sobered up. And she stopped doing this, like, uh, knocking out thing. And then she starts grabbing her cell phone and it looks, she looks all different. And she's like determined to go home. And we're like, no, I think you missed the subway already. You know, why don't you just wait for somebody to come? And she's just like all frantic. And then the police officers kind of kicked me out. They were like, who are you? You know, all this stuff. And so they kind of kicked me out. And I couldn't, I couldn't stay even if I wanted to. But, you know, like it's little situations like that that God brings along your path that when you keep and continually being faithful to be like the good Samaritan, when you see somebody that's down on the ground and beat down and bleeding, and even if they're not bleeding and you know they're in trouble, you're not like the Jewish priest that goes, oh, I cannot, I cannot touch that unclean thing. Let me pass by on the other side. Because how many know that in the Old Testament, when you touch the leper, you became unclean. But on this side of the cross, when you have Jesus living in you by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when you touch the leper, the leper gets healed. And so we need to choose to get involved in these smaller type of situations. And as we are faithful to steward these situations, God will call us into a more systematic level of involvement to stop the human trafficking, to stop the exploitation of children, to stop the injustices that we see in today's world. And by the way, justice is not just a human trafficking issue. It's just something that we're highlighting this weekend. But justice could be for a lot of different things. For immigrants. Could be for widows. A lot of different things. But we as God's people. 
We must make up in our hearts that we will confront injustice wherever it is found. Because it is, we have the ability, authority, and the responsibility to respond. Amen? I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord. That silence is not an option. Where Satan intimidates us. Like Satan intimidated David through Goliath. We look upon all the injustices in today's world. And they look like Goliaths to us, Lord. The North Korea situation. The human trafficking that's going on. Children in China being maimed in order to be more effective beggars. Corrupt governments. Lord, we look upon all these things and they look like Goliaths to us. But Father, Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that we will not remain silent. That we will not remain in our complacency, but we'll be like David. And we'll confront the Goliaths. And even though the Goliaths may curse us, and ridicule us, we will rise up in the, in the anointing that David carried. We will rise up, and in the name of the Lord, we will go and confront injustice and bring victory and freedom to the oppressed. Father, Lord, I pray you will stir up a new sense of justice in, today, today's, in today's, uh, all the, today's generation and to the hearts of all the people in this room. I pray you will stir up a new sense of justice, God. In Jesus' name, amen.